Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 11 times in the last half century, one of these two schools has been crowned national champion. Nebraska and Oklahoma, the Huskers and the Sooners. So many times, so many big games. It always had national significance because whoever won this went to the Orange Bowl and played in the Orange Bowl for the national championship. You knew that it was uh, it was going to be a top of the line game that uh, you know that was going to stretch you to the fullest. But just me and Tom Osmond standing on the sideline, we both had good football players, great players, All Americans and Heisman winners, players who produce moments forever burned into our college football memories. Of course. Uh, uh, the 1971 game, where we were ranked one and two, a great football game. The 35, to the 20, to the 10, he's all the way home! There was something about us having an ability in the fourth quarter to make enough plays to win the football game. He throws it, he hits throws. he pitches it to feedback, feedback, first down! And the tough thing was, if you lost it, you had to live with it for a year. It was games like this that you didn't have to worry about getting your team ready to play. Uh, this was my favorite game of the year growing up my entire life. Um, just like every Nebraska fan, I think. And I was lucky enough to play in two of them. Uh, one of them was Coach Osborne's 250th victory. One of the best rivalries in sports. It, uh, it's kind of a shame it went away, uh, but it, it's going to be special to be a part of it in a different role. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Davey Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Please, please, no autographs. I just want to thank all the little people that made this possible, like the both of you. Uh, front page of the Omaha World Herald. Oh, honky. It's celebrity status is, uh, is amazing, isn't it? It's going to my head. Yeah. All the perks of, uh, you know, fame and fortune now at your feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about the uh, Omaha article here in a little bit, but uh, we're also with Boomer. Yeah. Congrats there, honky. Your name in print. That's your, you're finally somebody you've made it. So that's pretty <laughs> exciting for the, you know, 60 plus demographic that tends to read the newspaper on a regular basis. So good job. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, honky, Steve Martin, just about the same thing, really. Well, uh, honk, uh, even though maybe there's not that many, um, you know, print editions of the world Herald out there as they used to be, there is a huge online, um, readership of the world Herald. And yes. so that's where I saw the article. Very cool. Both you and I are, we're interviewed by Henry Cordes, uh, a World Herald uh, writer who uh, does a lot of really great stuff, including the, some of their books. You get, you know, at Christmas time, I've got uh, at least one or two of his. And uh, he wanted to chat with us about uh, the NUOU rivalry. Uh, he's a listener of the Redcast, and it was a great chance to talk about some of those memories, right? Yeah, it's NUOU week. How many times have you heard the Lyle Bremser, you know, audio in the last couple days now i mean it's you can start to feel that it's coming up here and i'll be in norman uh leaving friday morning can't wait to get down there and and talk to some sooner fans and 
you know, this is a special week. And considering you go back to the the Black Friday of, of March where, you know, for a very brief moment of time, we didn't know if this game was going to happen or not. I was never too concerned. But considering that was even potentially on the table, it's so good to, to have this week here and to have this game. This is an important game for all the reasons that we talked about in that article. And college football needs games like this. And Nebraska needs to play games like this. And quite honestly, we need to win games like this at some point here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was what the rivalry was built on was a, a back and forth. There was streaks in it, though, right? Uh, and we experienced many of those. Yeah. Uh, you know, Boomer, you came into the rivalry a little bit later because of your uh, birth down in Texas. But uh, uh, what were your first memories of Nebraska, Oklahoma? Yeah, nobody's perfect. I apologize for that. Yeah, but, yeah uh, I hear you know, you. What can you do? Yeah, I got to be honest, it wasn't the biggest thing on kids' minds, you know, growing up in West Texas, the Nebraska-Oklahoma rivalry for a while. I'm sure it was on, but father wasn't a big Nebraska fan, so, you know, probably wasn't a mainstay, you know, on the playgrounds of the of the school then. But, uh, you know, I kind of remember coming in on the the tail end of it, you know, just sort of a few of the, you know, the late 80s games with uh, Barry Switzer, you know, just kind of finishing up there. And then the first game I ever attended in person would have been the 91 Nebraska-Oklahoma game in the, in the freezing rain. Uh, it was cold. I will always remember that. One of the coldest and dampest games I've ever been to, but it wasn't a victory, <laughs> so... There was that going for me. So yeah, the 20th anniversary of the game of the century. That it, it was. Yeah. yeah. 30 years later, here we are 50 years yep. now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, we talked a lot of uh, with Henry about a lot of different stuff, right, Honk? But mm-hmm. um, one thing that didn't make the article was my first Nebraska Oklahoma experience. Boomer just mentioned 91. My my first uh, Nebraska game period was uh, NUOU in 1984, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a it was a cold day. It's probably in the 40s, um, and it was I don't think it was really raining, but it was very you know heavy, you know, in the air, cold, very gray. And uh, I sat in the north end zone of that game, and that's where we missed three field goals in the game. <laughs> uh, we lost 17-7 thanks to some Sooner magic at the end. They, they scored 10 points in the fourth quarter thanks to some uh, late heroics. Go figure. Yeah. And um, pretty much how, how my childhood was, you know, uh, how, how it happened every year at Thanksgiving was losing to Oklahoma and a lot of frustration and heartbreak there. And that was my first experience, but one that I'll never forget. Uh, my dad taking me down there and um, it was a very memorable, memorable experience. One of those core memories, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to imagine us missing three field goals at home. Yeah. But, uh, shocking. Huh? <laughs> um, you know, my first memories of the Oklahoma series, specifically my first year as a Husker fan. And I remember everything from game one, all the way to the end, every game in between is 1983. Sure. And so for that, you know, it's down in Norman, Huskers win 28-21, Neil Harris knocks away a late pass, it's going to Buster Rhymes, and and Huskers win it, and we we go to 12-0, and 0. we were number one in the country from start to finish throughout the season, we have the Heisman Trophy winner, we have the Lombardi winner, the Outland winner, I mean, my formative years of, of Husker football, when that all happens at once, it's just like, oh, well, this is just what happens, right? I mean, Nebraska just, we just always get Heismans, and you're, you're always number one throughout the season, and you're traditionally scoring 84 against Minnesota and 72 against, you know, Iowa state and all that. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, with Oklahoma there, that was a third straight win against them. And it's interesting and boomer. I think you can talk even further back in time with this is that this whole series is built off of, uh, the games meant a lot, but they tended to come in streaks. So one team would win three or four or five in a row. And then the other one would win three or four or five in a row. And that started as far back as the beginning of this. 
Yeah, it's been a long-running and a very streaky series, like you said. Uh, the first game was played back in 1912, uh, back in a Jumbo Steam era. You know, we've mentioned him a time or two, and it's a Nebraska victory, 13 to nine. And uh, the next year was a tie. Well, it wasn't next year. Excuse me. The next game, I think, was 1919, I believe, and tied. And then from there on out until basically World War II started in the 1942 season, Oklahoma only won three games in the entire series. They played fairly regularly, you know, through that entire stretch, and it was Nebraska dominated. And then, as we all know, you know, we fell in hard times in the 40s, and you know, coming out of the 40s into the 50s, that's when Oklahoma was just an insane power, you know, in the conference at that yeah. point. And yeah, went on that ridiculous winning streak. How many games was it? 70. Whatever it was, Mike Babcock made a point to say when we talked to him with Husker History 101 a year or two ago, it was like a 75 game. It's not a winning conference winning streak. It was a conference non losing streak. Yeah, non losing streak. Because they had like one or two games during that that I think were ties, but it was still 75 games to your point. And who ends it? Well, that would be Nebraska back in uh, 1959 of all teams. Probably one of the greatest upsets in college football history, really. Coached by. Uh, does that be Bill Glassman or Jennings? Yep. That Jennings. was Bill Jennings, who Jennings, came yep. here from Oklahoma. He was an assistant, yeah, so. a great recruiter. It was a assistant under Bud Wilkinson, and then apparently, you know, they had kind of gentlemen's agreements that you can't recruit anyone down in Oklahoma, and if you don't come up and recruit anyone in Nebraska, but then they would still do that and piss each other off. Yeah, and uh, uh, also Oklahoma was the first team we played at in Memorial Stadium when we opened it in 1923. Mm. So just a little bit of history there did, as well. Boomer, uh, didn't, didn't they wear blue or did we? We did. We wore time? alternate jerseys back then for people who don't like them. That's an old tradition. And uh, Oklahoma's <laughs> athletic department allegedly was you know running under hard times back then and didn't have money for other jerseys and they just had the red ones. So we were nice enough to have some, I think, blue practice jerseys or something like that we threw on and yeah, all the papers reported we were wearing blue jerseys in that game. And we ended up, you know, didn't detract from the game. It was 24 to nothing. So maybe we should break those out again this weekend. <laughs> Who knows? When I have a bucket, but. Yeah, but then, like you said, yeah, the, it was a it's a streaky series. And probably the 60s may have been a little more back and forth than any time of it True. into that. And then, you know, you had the good uh, little run from 69 through 71 and Nebraska won. And then Oklahoma tended to dominate it from the 70s up until really most of Switzer's time there. Nebraska put together a couple of couple of seasons, um, particularly the early 80s when we had great teams and Oklahoma was a little down. And the 78 game, which was just one of the goofiest stats you'll ever see. What did Oklahoma have? Like, I think nine fumbles and lost six of them in that game. It was just mm-hmm. insane when you look at the, the fumbles. And, on and one of the fumbles that they don't have is where it's the kickoff return where the guy literally gets like knocked out and the ball is clearly out. And they don't, of all things, call yeah. that a fumble. And they don't call it a really? fumble. Really? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was nuts. And then, and I think Oklahoma had zero passing yards in that game on two attempts, if I remember right. It's something <laughs> weird. Like it. it's, it's like the game was played in 1902 or something. Yeah, it was. It was. Oh, I would have loved it. That would have been. Yep, perfect it was. It would have been honky. Yeah, if, if run the damn ball guy was upset at that performance, then there's no, there's no say, you know, satisfying that person. And then, uh-huh. then as you know, once Switzer left and Oklahoma was on probation and you know limited on scholarships and recruits and banned from TV for a year, they kind of fell mm-hmm. on hard times. And Nebraska was peaking then, and the 90s was pretty well dominated by nebraska hey, Boomer, let's, let's go back just a little bit and dive into the the 60s for just a second before we get to the game of the century i guess because a 63 is another significant game uh because we yep. played oklahoma right after the assassination of uh john f kennedy right correct yeah bud wilkinson was like on some presidential council of you know like athletic fitness or something so he he had some connection to jfk 
And he actually came out and made the statement that, you know, JFK would want the game to be played. So we were really one of the only games played that day afterwards. And that's, of course, the first victory for Devaney over uh, Oklahoma. Nebraska wins the Big Eight. Uh, Nebraska goes to the uh, Orange Bowl, beats Auburn. And and really, I mean, I think, what was that, like a 10-1 or 11-1 season? And holy smokes, I mean, we're we're off and running under Devaney. Yep, that's right. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and obviously that's his first victory. Wins in 65, where we go out and play Alabama and, mm-hmm. and lose in essentially a national title game. Um, and then has a, a three-game win streak at the end of his uh, tenure. So, you know, he goes five and five, it looks like. Is that about right, Honky, in a, a 10-year run? So, Well, um, it was an 11-year run, so I think in 72 they lost the last season. Okay, yep, yep, yep. I see it there, yep. So That's they right. go five and six. Now, Osborne goes five and 12 against Switzer when Switzer leaves in 88. We played them 17 times in 16 years because of the 1978 weird scenario of playing them in a bowl game. But Osborne ends up a 500 record, 13 and 13 against Oklahoma. So he started off five and 12 and ends up winning, you know, going eight and one down the stretch to even up his career record against Oklahoma there. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to the game of century eventually, but I do want to talk a little bit more about the, the Tom Osborne, Barry Switzer rivalry. Cause I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like, so in, in the article honky, I got quoted by saying that there was um, a little bit of a hate and, and a lot of respect and, I think others You're just a revisionist history guy, Dave. I mean, you're <laughs> revising history. Stop it. Uh, I understand that others like Jack Mitchell, uh, who uh, hopefully listens to the show, um, has different opinions. I, I enjoyed his rant today on radio, but, um, you know, everybody has a different perspective, right? You know, sure. and it's how you handle those losses, right? I mean, you know, those those four losses in the 80s, to your point of 83 being this like kind of galvanizing North Pole for you, honky of like, you know, this is how Nebraska football is going to be, which I remember that season two, especially, you know, the, the bowl game. But it's just I mean, it was different. I was obviously very young. But after that, losing to Oklahoma every single year for those four years where I'm, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old, you lose the game the day after Thanksgiving. It's the only game on TV, practically. Um, you lose in heartbreaking fashion. It felt like every single time mm. um, I would leave my living room and I'd go out to my driveway and start shooting hoops. Right. Mm -hmm. I would just shoot basketball hoops because I was just like, it's basketball season. I had, I I was like, (laughs) I was like, I'm, I'm like crying out there because of the loss because most Nebraska boys of my age were crying every Friday after Thanksgiving. And you're like, I got to, you know, you got to take my mind off of this. My dad would come out and, and, you know, shoot hoops with me a little bit he would always just simply say, Hey, we'll get them next year. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a, however you are raised as a fan, I guess, you know, and I, I felt like it was one of those things where like Barry Switzer and Oklahoma was the evil empire to Nebraska, the good guys and Tom Osborne. Right. And, mm-hmm. and we were on the losing end there for several years in a row, but I also knew that we had beaten them in the past and ultimately we did beat them again. And I felt like that balancing act between the good guys and the bad guys, I felt like Oklahoma really like enjoyed being the bad guys, right. Of college football, you're even at that point. Right. I mean, 
look at like Bosworth and Jamel Holloway and all these guys, whatever happened to Charles Thompson. Right. I mean, um, they embraced being the bad guys to the extent mm-hmm. that they got on probation for goodness sakes. And Nebraska was the good guys. Right. And that, that's a part of the identities of the two programs in the eighties and seventies and eighties, really. And you look mm-hmm. at the coaches, Switzer has an immense amount of success in the seventies right away. Right. He wins two national titles. Oh yeah. Right off the gates, even well, I think they were on probation. They may not have even played in a bowl game one of those national title years because they just like they couldn't, but they still won, right? Um, and then Osborne has to struggle for 20-some years before he gets his title, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, like who actually has the probably the greater legacy? You know, I think maybe TO probably is considered the better coach overall. I don't know if that's really fair or not. Barry, you know, was a great coach in his own right. He just had a little shorter tenure, but I, I just feel like that's a part of the the story and the rivalry. And I hated losing to Oklahoma when they beat us. Um, but I don't know if I hated them. Right. I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of appreciated them as a peer program. That was the antithesis of us. And I kind of like enjoyed that dichotomy, I guess, even as a little kid, I, I could tell the difference. Right. Yeah. I think the peer thing is really an important word to use in this concept of respect. Uh, in 1986, we lost to Colorado and I was born in 77. And although we lost to Missouri in 1978, I'm not quite old enough at that point to remember it. But, oh, but really? Length, I, I think you <laughs> used to tell us that you remember that game when we were kids. Uh, I'm you? pretty sure I did tell you that I was a lying is what I was doing at the time. But in 1986, I do remember shooting hoots outside, listening to the radio, listening to us lose 20 to 10 to Colorado. And I couldn't believe that we lost to somebody that wasn't named Oklahoma. That doesn't mean I'm not saying I respect Oklahoma. That's just, it's almost like that's the pedestal I put them on was that I can accept losing to Oklahoma at that age. You just, but you don't lose to anybody else. Even though there were a lot of other good teams, you'd play Oklahoma state with Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas. And there were plenty of big eight teams and we'd play good non-conference teams and all that. But Oklahoma was like, you look at them at that peer level and, you know, Boomer, you mentioned, you know, in the seventies, how they struggled for five years and then they finally kind of beat them in 78, but then the, the weird bowl game thing happened and Osborne was having some success, but he started to model his program off of Oklahoma. We have Vince Ferragamo and Dave home, very good quarterbacks going to the pros. You know, Ferragamo starts in the Super Bowl, but you know, what Oklahoma has is these mobile quarterbacks, uh, Thomas Lott and JC Watson, we need to play quarterback like they're playing quarterback. And it was one of his first big adjustments as a coach was based off of what Oklahoma was doing. And we're not going to go wishbone, but we're going to go triple option out of the eye. And we go down head to head against uh, Switzer to Fort Worth to get Turner Gill. And that's when we start to have that success in 81, 82, 83. And that's a respect that you do. You, you copy programs and mimic programs that you respect. Eventually, we did the same thing on defense. We're losing to Miami's and Florida States. We need to play defense like Miami and Florida States. That's what we did in the 90s. Oklahoma was someone that you respected in that sense. And the other thing is when we, we've talked about this a number of times on the show is rivalry. And what does a rivalry mean? And I will forever say Oklahoma is a different kind of rivalry. On paper, it doesn't make any sense. We don't have any historical connection as a state with Oklahoma. We're not rivals with them in other sports. It never crossed over into basketball or baseball or volleyball or anything. It's a football-centric rivalry. And when you think about the rivalries, like the border war between Kansas and Missouri, literally, Missourians came over to Lawrence and burned the town down. 
Very Michi- different. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan and Ohio hate each other, right? Well, they had a war of Toledo. Did the loser have call- to take Toledo? Is that how that worked? Out? <laughs> that was. Well, and, and Ohioans thinking of the worst words that they could call Michiganders, they called them Wolverines. That title is given to them from Ohio because that was the worst thing that they could call those people. I mean, there is literal hatred that goes on off the way off the field and going back for, for centuries, essentially at this point. None of that's with Nebraska and Oklahoma. I mean, these two states have nothing in common in a lot in so many ways other than football. And then the, it was this football thing that happened year after year. And the peak of it is 1970 to 1990. But I think, Dave, you brought up 1963. And it certainly goes later. It goes all the way up to, you know, 2010, the last game of the Big 12 that Nebraska's yep. in. We're playing down the hall. We were there. You know, and we were there. We're playing there in, in Jerry World and up 17 nothing and finding great ways to lose that. So it's just a different kind of rivalry. And it's hard to explain to people that that didn't live it, but I'm glad that we still do it so that we can continue to tell those stories. I'm going to keep telling Alex about it. I'm going to, you know, this, this isn't something I want to see die. I want people to know that this game meant something for a long, long, long time. Yeah. And speaking of that, I think the pinnacle of that is the game of the century, right? Mm -hmm. I would say that, I mean, there's several other games that like to claim that title, but I don't think any of them claim it as strongly as the 1971 Nebraska Oklahoma game. And um, even though we were too young to experience that, we were, weren't around yet. Um, the legacy of that game was clearly impacting our, our childhood. I mean, I have a t-shirt I have framed on my wall of it's a little toddler t-shirt that probably was <laughs> one of my sisters, but handed down to me. And it's, it's the 71 national championship t-shirt and it has all the, the games and all the scores on it. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. those are, uh, we have, I have, you know, big beer steins and all stuff of stuff. There's this memorabilia that all of your grandparents and your parents had from that game because it was so impactful. And for it to be so remembered to this day, 50 years after is, it's pretty extraordinary. And um, you know, it's one of those games Boomer that actually lived up to its billing, right? It's so hard to do, but a 35-31 uh, thriller that came down to the end and um, is still thought of today as one of the greatest college football games ever played. Yeah, it really is. Uh, if you know, I know everyone talks about it. But if you've never had a chance to watch it, do I mean get yourself a Agreed. you know DVD or v, yeah, VHS, or I'm sure it's on YouTube it's on or YouTube. something like that. And you you know, with the commercials and everything edited out, you can knock that out quick and. It is just an exciting football game to watch. Uh, you know, it, like you said, it lives up to the hype and it's a scenario in one of those, you know, game of the centuries where, you know, it did matter. It, we were talking earlier about this and kind of comparing it to 10 years ago or so when Ohio State and Michigan were playing that game of the century that ESPN was hyping relentlessly and, you know, with countdown clocks and all that. And yeah, it was a great game, but then both of them proceeded to go on and lose their bowl game. So did that game mean anything in the grand <laughs> scheme of things? No, not really. This game, mm-hmm. you know, it did. It was number one versus number two. I mean, the only the only team that Oklahoma lost to was Nebraska. And then the number three team that year was Colorado. The only teams they lost to were Oklahoma and Nebraska. I mean, that just shows how great, you know, those teams were. And, you know, the stakes were high in that game. They remained high for the rest of the season. It wasn't, you know, a matter of loser was done and was a terrible team. No, they were, everybody involved in that was great. And yeah, it's a fun back and forth to watch. And yeah, if, if you haven't, yeah, please do for, for our well, younger listeners out there. It's it's well worth it. It does live up to the hype. So. And you know what's interesting about that particular season, too, is that that Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn is between two undefeated teams. It's one of the only times in the history of that series. I mean, that was great by their standards, 
Bear Bryant thought that that was their best Alabama team too. And Boomer, to your point about once you got into the bowl game, comparing this to Michigan, Ohio State from what was that, 2006, I think. What Nebraska and Oklahoma did after this, Oklahoma went on to destroy Auburn basically in their bowl game. And Nebraska, what, 38-6, to I think it was, against Alabama. Yeah. And yeah, so those SEC it, teams got drubbed. Yep. Yeah, they were by far the best teams. And it was at a time when, you know, there weren't many games on TV for sure. It was the, the game of the week. It was on the uh, Howard Cosell, you know, promoted on Monday Night Football. And I remember watching a documentary that was about the game and they were talking to some former Husker players that were like sitting in their dorm rooms at the time watching Monday Night Football. And it's like, oh, my gosh, they just they just mentioned us. You know, we brought down our own food so that Oklahoma wouldn't sabotage that that's great and, you know, and, and there's a great quote too from the former sports information director uh, don fox bryant the game's going on it's just such a back and forth thing and there's just so much stress and so much everything and he's sitting up in the press box he's talking to himself he's like fox don't have a heart attack here in norman this would be a horrible place to die well he's not wrong no i just love it i just there's just this history and lore. There's there's these stories of back in 1962 and 63, the first couple of years when Devaney got here, that he would tell them that there's these scouts that would be NFL scouts would be up in the, the windows, the corners of the stadium looking at practice. And that would make them work harder. And then there was these those same windows. There were these rumors that Oklahoma would send scouts up there and they were like spying on our practices. It's just what I love about college football. I have no clue if any of that shit's true. I mean, absolutely, 100% could be lies, and I don't care. It's part of what college football and history and lore is, and this weekend is just steeped in history and lore and names and national championships and conference championships and bowl wins, Heisman trophies, all of that. This is why you want to be a college football fan and uh, this is if, if there are Husker fans that are fighting back in March, you know, wanting to have this game played. That's why. I mean, I'm so glad we've got this week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, something that we, we do know is true, Honky, was with the game of the century, um, the hype for this game was was really intense. Right. I mean, Sports Illustrated puts the two teams on the cover before the game. They actually moved the game to Thanksgiving Day. Right. I mean, they actually it's played on Thanksgiving Day after, you know, everybody has their Thanksgiving meal. So, I mean, it had this this, uh, you know, this window where everybody is is at home Mm -hmm. and um, it it just it's an extraordinary thing that it it happened in that. Um, The coolest thing about it is we won. Yeah. I don't know if there's Oklahoma podcast talking this romantically about it. I appreciate that they're actually going to have a ceremony and do all this stuff, uh, which means that the respect was there, I feel like. But we won the game. I think that's a great point there, Dave, about the respect is that I don't know how many schools 50 years later would host a ceremony about a game being played in that location and they didn't win it. I mean, I think there is something to be said about that. Look, at at the end of the day, that was one of the first games right in that early 70s, late 60s period that started about a 20 year stretch where that game meant something significant every single year between those two schools. That might be something that's as unique as anything about that particular rivalry. Every year that thing was sending somebody to an Orange Bowl and usually in that Orange Bowl, somebody was playing for a national championship or, you know, at least a top three kind of spot in the in the polls. That's what was coming out of that game every year until finally Colorado got good there in the late eighties. And uh, 
kind of messed that up. But yeah, for about good, <laughs> good 17, 18, 19 years in a row, it was Nebraska and Oklahoma every year. Yeah. Well, um, what are we, what are we looking forward to honky? You're going to be at the game. Uh, Boomer mm-hmm. and I will be watching intently on the, uh, the Fox big noon kickoff. Um, I'm sure Mac will be watching as, as well, as well as the other Redcasters, producer Skip and Redcast Rob. Spread is like 22, 23 points, kind of, you know, moving around that area. But, uh, you know, hey, uh, let's let's throw out the uh, the records here and the expectations, right? It's Nebraska, Oklahoma. Honky, what do you hope to see uh, on Saturday? Well, I hope to see a smart game from Nebraska. And, that, and quite honestly, I don't know that I think I'm going to see that. I'm just hoping to see it. Uh, we, we have beaten ourselves up this year in three games. We've about undone everything that we said we need to do all off season, play smarter football. And, you know, starting with that Illinois game, and you're going to hear after we get done with this segment, you're going to hear a nice rant that Mac, who hasn't been on the, the show for a while and heck I haven't been on, we haven't done a redcast in a couple of weeks. That's right. Um, you know, Mac and I have a, have a little rant about some of the things that we've seen, but in general, We've talked about needing to clear up turnovers and penalties and special teams and all those things. And through three games, I mean, it's been about the worst of the worst with some of that. We just come off of a game against Buffalo where we scored 28 points on 500 and some yards. That's not a good amount of points based off the yards we put up. But one of the reasons why is because we put 28 points on the board, but we took 27 of them off. I mean, that just isn't good football. I want to see good football this week. I want to see smart football. Smart football means not getting into the trap of trying to play a shootout game against them, not panicking if you get down by seven points like we did against Illinois and going 40-plus times out of a pocket. Martinez's legs are the thing that's going to scare a defensive coordinator more than his arm, and his arm can be effective when he uses his legs to get out of the pocket, roam around, and I, you know, maybe this is the 1970s in me coming out, Dave, but – there's something about the option that I kind of like, and we've seen baby steps of it the last three you know, games this year. Martinez is really good at running it. Like he's really – some of the pitches he's making, he made a pitch against – I think it was Fordham where you know, he didn't even look. It almost had like a frost kind of feel to it when he pitched. And I would be fine if we ran that damn thing 30 times on Saturday. If we ran it and, and forced Oklahoma to stop us, force them to stop it because – Running, you know, inside zones until our running backs are dead tired running one yard on first and 10, that's that's only going to last so long. We've got to put stress on that defense, and the stress is going to come with Martinez moving the pocket, getting out of the pocket, making the defense cover side to side, and not just trying to push them back with some deep throws, which will be effective too, but make the defense cover the whole field. The option lets you do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you think about it, Adrian has had two really good games, obviously against mm-hmm. lesser opponents, but I've heard from multiple media guys that they felt Buffalo on paper is as good or if not better than Illinois. So, I mean, it scratches sure. your head against that Illinois game. Still was like, it's like, what is going on there? Yep. And, you know, it, I mean, it, I mean, you know, it's always tough to have that first game. You'd rather, <laughs> rather have a game that you can work out the kinks, you know, um, but you know, that's not going to be the case here. Now they need to to make up for it. So whether we win or lose versus Oklahoma, uh, they're going to need to be able to turn the page and, and be ready for Michigan State, who looks looks good as well as Northwestern. So, I mean, I think there's a, it's an opportunity here mm. for, for Adrian to, to kind of change his legacy, really, to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm hoping that he has some of his uh, targets back and healthy 
And uh, maybe we do actually have a more diverse run game to your point. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the, that inside zone, uh, doesn't look that effective, but uh, it, it was odd. The two times we actually, Gabe Irvin had two touchdowns in that game, right, Honk? And mm -hmm. both of them were, were stand-up touchdowns. Didn't get touched. Yeah, well, one of them so, was I-formation. I right? One of them was yeah. I-formation. Another one, one they had had uh, had uh, Brewington, the tight end, go in mm -hmm. motion and block down, but it was just a one-back, right? And mm -hmm. so it's like, what, what made those so effective that didn't work the other times, right? Well, one of the more effective just runs up the middle, like kind of in midfield that I saw was one where we, we did that orbit motion that, that we've heard a lot about, right. Where, you know, it's traditionally Torre, but Nixon, whoever, somebody comes around and then it, you essentially now have two backs, which I, I said last week on the betcast, I was like, our best running is out of two back. And whether that two back is two running backs or one running back and a Torre, I don't care what the combination is. It's just that I think that's where we're at our best. But anyways, one of our best runs up the middle was that orbit motion comes, which is a kind of, it's almost a dead giveaway of an option. And Buffalo took it. I mean, there was nowhere to option the ball. I mean, they took out uh, Martinez and they took out the, the option guy. Unfortunately for Buffalo, Martinez handed the ball off a true triple option. And that one play got about five, six yards, I think up the gut. It looked clean. It was, it opened up the middle more than just simply doing inside zones where it's a handoff, and then, you know, there's not really much of a play fake after that for Martinez. So the defense has no concern about Martinez having the ball anymore. It's just a handoff, and they just converge, right? It's the same thing I feel about where you throw a whole bunch of pocket passes where Martinez is flat-footed inside a pocket. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'll take that all day. But if you want to throw the ball and you find ways to move the pocket, you find the ways to play action, roll out, things like that, I don't like that as much if I'm a defensive coordinator. I don't want Martinez in open space. And that's where I think we're most dangerous. The other thing that I think we're most dangerous in, in a game like this is you want to play field position. You want to play time of possession. You want to keep their explosive offense off the field. So when it's third and three, you need to be playing 5D chess. Think ahead. Get under center and put Yan on the field. And on third and three, get a yard and a half, two yards. And on fourth and one, pound it again and like physically show some dominance on these guys and not get cute. Not this is run it at these guys, push these guys, put your big backs in there and do things to extend drives one at a time and keep that clock moving. If this game is a 50 to 45 point game, I promise you we'll be the one with 45. I guarantee it. <laughs> if it's 24 to oh, 20, we'd be pretty, a lot of yeah. people would be pretty happy with 50 well, to 45. Well, but you know what I'm getting? If it's 55 to 40, I promise you we're the one with 40, right? Yeah. But if it's 24 to 21, there's a chance we'll have 24. And so well, it's playing the right kind. It's playing the right kind of game. The, it, this if, becomes a style game. It is. Think of it, Dave, as big 10 versus big 12. Well, let's, let's look at a uh, boomer. Maybe you could look this up really quick. Uh, Oklahoma lost a couple games last year, I believe early, Iowa State and Kansas State. How many points did Iowa State and Kansas State score against Oklahoma? As you look that up, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to Iowa Sean, my neighbor. Uh, after the Nebraska game last week, I went over to his house. He was very happy with Iowa's performance versus Iowa State. And um, it, it prompts a question for, for you, Honky. Uh, he's a big uh, um, Burt Bonema fan, <laughs> uh, and he uh, really was impressed with Illinois' performance versus us, whatever. But it made me think, you know, um, Bielema said that, you know, number two was the guy that they were concerned with, right? And so I'm, I'm wondering, 
if you're Oklahoma, are you going to have a spy out there for Adrian? And if that's the case, how does Nebraska game plan uh, against Oklahoma having a, a linebacker or somebody just eyeing Martinez the whole time? Run option. Quite honestly, I don't care if you have a spy on him. We threw it 40 flipping times, basically out of a pocket against Illinois because we panicked when we fell behind and we couldn't go up against a four-man front. I don't know. That game is a the pinnacle of every frustration you can possibly have, and you're going to hear this a little bit later when Mac and I talk. I get it, Husker fans. If, if you gave up after that game, that was just the worst of the worst. I'm giving zero credit to Bielema. I'm giving zero credit to Illinois. I don't know what we did there. Martinez is on his best when he is moving. If he's standing still or if he's handing the ball off and play over and there's no, you know, there's no play fake after it and all that stuff, we're a one-trick pony at that point. Hand the ball off to the running back and try to get some yards up the middle. We're not good enough to just push like that. But if they want to put a spy on him, start moving him around. Move him outside. That spy's going to have to come with him, right? I, there are guys open downfield. Our issue isn't getting guys open. Our issue is the timing of getting guys open. Martinez doesn't see it when he's sitting in a pocket and he's supposed to see this guy at this point and he always misses him, And then he ends up having to make a harder throw. I mean, that happens all the time. We had a fourth yeah. and five against Fordham and we completed it to uh Toure down the field. It was a really hard throw. It was an impressive throw. And we had to have a lot of protection and our line did a really good job against Fordham. I understand, but he, <laughs> they protected very well. Problem was there was an easier pass that could have been made you know, quicker that would have got the ball out of his hands quicker. We didn't see that. If <laughs> so, your answer answer is to to roll Adrian out, get him moving. Yeah, I don't care option. what the, that that I would that would answer. That would be your. The answer is I really don't care if they put a, a spy on him. Spy is meaningless to me. If we sit there and throw it forty times in the pocket, put a spy on him. Fine, we're screwed if we do that. We are just gonna get dominated if we sit there in a the pocket and try to pick apart Oklahoma. That's a stupid game plan. Don't do it. That would be awful. And this, right. this is where it gets back to you control what you can control. I would option the hell out of these guys. I would force them to cover the, the entire field side to side and deep. So, Boomer, um, so to bring this back to how many points we need to score, Honky thinks it should be, you know, to win the game, we need to keep this down, 24-21. What happened last year with Oklahoma with their losses? Well, their two losses were to uh, Kansas State down in Norman, where they lost 38-35, to and then followed that up next week in Ames with a loss 37-30. to So kind of in between what, what Honky was shooting for, but sure. certainly way below the, the normal point output for, for Oklahoma last year. Most of the other games were, you know, 53, 33, 62, 62, sure. 41. 30-25, right. 32-28, yeah. whatever. That's, that's what I'm looking for. And I guess if there's one little – Slight bit of hope, although Oklahoma, it's they have changed their defense a little bit since uh, the Iowa State game a year ago. Iowa State threw out the trees against them. Every tight end and wide receiver was six five or taller, and and Oklahoma had a bunch of bookies out there that were losing jump balls. Yeah, um, that's right. I'm I, I haven't studied in depth the defense, the the secondary, and everything that Oklahoma has. I know Buki is now up in Washington, but Nebraska, you know, it's time to bring some height when it comes to our our pass game here. And this is something I would say about this game. You're going to know what you need to know about Nebraska this weekend. You're not holding anything back. If a guy is hurt and he's not playing this weekend, then he's hurt. Because, you know, we had Oliver Martin. We've had Omar Manning and Vokalek. And now we have Austin Allen and Xavier Betts. All these guys have been kind of banged up. 
But, you know, when you're playing Fordham and even Buffalo, not to disrespect Buffalo, but when you're playing those teams, sometimes it's easier to sit somebody out. But this game, I mean, if you are able to go, you're going to play. Frost was asked the question today in the press conference, what about the injuries? And, ah, you know, he kind of – I'm not going to really talk about injuries. Well, has anybody been ruled out? No. Immediately, no. That was the answer. Nobody's been ruled out. And my guess is, I mean, you are going to do everything you can to play in this game, and I think we're going to have a pretty full roster ready to go on Saturday morning. Yeah, absolutely. That's fair. All right, Hank. Well, this has been great, man. I'm, I've enjoyed having you having you back on. Um, Boomer and I will be doing a betcast here in a few days, uh, but I also am uh, going to enjoy this uh, this talk that you and Mac um, <laughs> had. And uh, let's uh, turn to that now. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. Uh, it's a talented team. Wow, you turn it on and uh, the speed just pops out right away. Uh, every position, uh, the size and speed of the guys. Um, so really encouraging our guys to, to execute the same way we, we have been and improve that, but try to do it at absolute fast as possible because I, I know the speed of Oklahoma um, is going to be a little different than what we've seen the last couple weeks. All right, well, we're back, and uh, we have a voice here that we haven't heard in a little while, uh, Mac. What's up, Bradcaster? <laughs> uh, tell us what you've been doing here the last couple of weeks. Uh, mostly, I've just been focusing on my property, uh, turning my grass green and make my neighbors jealous while silently cursing this football season. <laughs> and also, in your defense, you've been working some of the nights that we've been recording. Well, and, that's true. And we haven't, and what am I talking about? It's not like I've been doing Redcast the last few weeks either, so... Yeah. Uh, we went to the Illinois game. We did. And uh, we had high hopes coming into the season. Mm. And those hopes are not completely dashed by any means. In fact, this week they can be brought back with a very good performance against Oklahoma and so on. But I guess let's start with that Illinois game. And what did you see there? And what is maybe starting to form some of the opinions that I think you and I are kind of collectively having mm. right now? Yeah, I mean... We talked about this a lot before the season started, just what we needed to see, where we were at in the program, where Frost had built this program up to, you know, with the strength and development, um, the leadership, the culture, all the stuff that we had been waiting on and we were giving four years to build. So we kind of said, like, what we'd like to see is disciplined football, sharp, crisp execution, uh, no mental errors. You you want your special teams to look better. Good decision-making from the quarterback position a running game, all the things that through the first half of the first quarter of the Illinois game kind of crumbled in front of our eyes, you know, <laughs> and it, it was just very much a gut punch so early in the season. Week zero, matter of fact, not yeah. even week one, but week zero that I've been kind of reeling ever since a little bit about it, really rethinking my life, if I'm being <laughs> honest about it. Well, that was kind of part of us not doing some shows, too, or like, where it's like, let's just take a step back. Let's just be a fan for a second. Not what, what are we supposed to talk about? Yeah. All offseason, we've been a broken record about we just need to see this team play. Mm-hmm. We know the things that they need to do. And to your point, by halftime, Redcast Rob was out there in Champaign with us too. And by halftime, you and I are in a funk. Yeah. And, and he was sitting there trying to break it down. He's like, guys, it's 16 to 9. You know, this thing happens. This thing happens. We can come back. And, and never in my mind... It, it, it wasn't even about winning that game at that point. I know. Point. That's the thing. It was literally like everything that I thought was important that the, there was so much focus all offseason on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, special teams. When we had Taylor Britt catching the ball in the end zone right in front of us. Yeah. Uh, and literally that was right in front of us. Yeah. 
miss an extra point already. Uh, you know, to get the interception, there's the turnover we need. Nope, mm-hmm. we have 30 yards and penalties on yeah. the play. Oh, my goodness. And now we're in a third and two on the final drive of the first half, and we're going to go run downhill because that's what we've been talking about all offseason. Nope, four wide receivers to the left, and, and Martinez doesn't make the read, and then he runs and he, and he has a fumble. Hmm. And scoop and six. Scoop, yeah. All of a sudden, you get done with that half, and you go, geez, that half, we could literally be up 17 nothing right now. Uh-huh. You know, we could be up 20 nothing, Which is the same song and dance for the every, last three years. Every time. It's like, well, if only we would have, and if we just could have done this, or if this had a broke that way, and we are the most snake-bitten, unlucky, undisciplined team I've seen for the last three years. It's remarkably consistent how inconsistent we are. And it's across the board. You're right. It wasn't about winning the game. It was about what did you see with your eyes when the team hit the field. And I didn't see a surge from the line. I thought that was going to be a strength. I thought some of our running backs were going to step up and really make, you know, make their presence be felt. And I didn't see that. I thought I'd see Adrian get the ball out of his hands quickly. And I didn't see that. And, you know, I understand he's played better since that game. But it's too little too late for me at this point. I'm like, these Fordham... Buffalo, those are should-win games. Illinois was a should-win game. You know, it wasn't... It's always us beating us. And when you're talking about Brett Bielema's first game in Illinois... And by the way, Illinois hasn't set the world on fire since. <laughs> no, no, they so haven't. So what the heck, man? Like, how do how do you digest that? How do we spend that? What do you want to hear? I'm not saying, Brett Kester, what do you want to hear from us? Not like that. But, like, what could we possibly say? What could we possibly break down? What more needs to happen? From from our end, I'm like I feel like we we've, we've broken down everything. We've we've looked at every turned every stone. I've in my mind gave every scenario I thought could have could have played out to win a mm-hmm. football game, and it's constantly disappointing. You never see the guys on the field that you think you're going to see. Maybe Omar Mann is going to break out this year. No, not really. You know, maybe one of our running backs is going to break. No, not really. Samari Toure, he's been yeah. kind of a he's been kind of a spark, but it's just so few and far between. It's it's hard to get excited. We put a positive spin on things, and sure. that's what we traditionally do. And I think we will get to that point a little bit here. There are some things to talk about where we've seen improvements and seen progress. But I think we have to get through this first part to get to that part. Yeah. And that first game, it's led into now the last two games where against you know inferior opponents, mm-hmm. um, we still leave so much out there on the, yeah. on the table. I mean, that Buffalo game, I, I had my parents down last weekend. We had two TVs up, and we were watching the Nebraska game on the on the left TV and on the right TV with mute. I just have Iowa Iowa State on, mm-hmm. and I just kind of have that going on in the background. And I'm watching two top ten teams from a, a talent perspective. Nothing overly impressive with either of the teams, to be mm-hmm. quite honest with you. But as I watch Iowa, and I've watched them two straight weeks, and they beat Indiana and Iowa State. I don't know how good Indiana or Iowa State are, to right. be honest with you. But you know what? Iowa doesn't make mistakes. Right. They don't. And they're very opportunistic, which you got to give them credit for. Mm-hmm. If the ball bounces up in the air off a guy's shoulder pad like it did uh, against Indiana, there's an Iowa guy there to pick it off and run it back for a touchdown. Almost always. Scooping six they did against Iowa State. And also, to give even additional credit to Iowa, they also force some of this stuff. It's not mm-hmm. like it's they're not just opportunistic. They force things, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're good athletes. They are good athletes. But they're not going to blow you the way the way that you know when we go and we play Oklahoma. That's right. going to be a, a team that's going to have superior talent out there, right? You know, NFL guys all over the place. Yeah, they're going to have like top ten players in each position. Yeah, and I just get done watching Nebraska against Buffalo, where we score twenty eight points, but we 
honestly, we should have scored another 27. We had mm-hmm. three touchdowns taken off the field. We yep. missed three field goals. The last one we shouldn't have even had to kick, but it was on the same position that we had scored a touchdown <laughs> and got called back. That's 27 points. Yeah. And all I could think of is, wow, how undisciplined we are. And then I, I turn our game off, push the mute mm-hmm. off of the Iowa game. There's Kirk Herbstreit talking about it because – Obviously, that game was a top ten game, so they've got the number one, mm-hmm. you know, ESPN, you know, telecast doing the game for him, and he talks about Ferentz being there twenty three years and just how disciplined Iowa is, and it's the perfect word. Discipline yeah. wins a lot of games, yeah. and Nebraska, with a lack of discipline, that is not seemingly up mm-hmm. to this point getting better. I, I, I keep holding out hope. I do. I hopefully this is the week it, it happens, right? But. Right. But why is it just going to happen this week that hasn't happened yet? How much more emphasis can they put on special teams? I don't know. That's where I'm kind of at this crossroads with the whole damn thing is we talked about it. If we, if we struggle this year, it's coaching. Yes. No it's a, excuses. It's 100% coaching at this point. And it concerns me that our coaches can tell us that during the week of practice, they're not seeing these things, but they keep manifesting in games. Mm-hmm. That's problematic. And they're not showing any ability to adjust during games or during the week or change anything up. I mean, when you've got your best players, Cam Taylor Britt has made so many mental errors this year already. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. And Adrian Martinez, his his lack of, of being able to hold on the ball is well documented. You know, mm-hmm. And I love the kid. I, I like all these kids. I mean, I, at this point in my life, I, I, I look at them like kids because they are. And, and I'm a grown man. And... <laughs> And I, I'm not putting them on the kids because I know they're trying. I know they're trying. I, I, Adrian wants to be good. Cam Taylor Britt wants to be good. Hell Frost wants to be good. Something's getting lost in translation, and I just can't keep talking about it because we all know what it is. We all knew what we were what we were hoping to see, and that's why it was such a sinking pit in your stomach as by soon as you saw it. You're like, by halftime, but the special teams is no better. You know, the punting game's no better. The kickoff teams no. It's just. It'd be funny if it wasn't my team, you yeah. know. It, it would be it'd be hilarious if it was somebody else. But it's like, man, we're just a punchline every week for this crap, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of I'm tired of being embarrassed watching this team because in like the Buffalo game, I'm trying to watch that game, trying to get excited. I can't get excited yeah. because I can't trust anything that I see on the field when it comes time to really put it on in between the lines and play somebody good. I don't know how we're gonna be. Maybe yeah, maybe some miracle happens, and I would love that to be the case. But, dude, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me for four seasons, you know. I Like, come on. I, I How stupid can I be? You know, I, look, Redcasters, <clears throat> I don't know anything about football. <laughs> That's what I've come up with here. I can't watch football and decipher anything. I can't listen to coaches talk and decipher anything. I could go to practice and think I saw something, and I'm wrong. I'm no better than this coaching staff. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what it takes to get fixed. I just know when I see it, I'm sad. <laughs> when I watch this team, I get sad, and I don't want to be sad. I wanna, I want to enjoy college football. I just want us to play good football, just good well, football. What's, I, I what's the win loss of that? I don't care. Yeah, I don't think that's too much to ask. And the amount of mistakes that they've made. Look, that Illinois game, they dug themselves in a hole. And yeah. so anything that you're feeling right now, and the fact that we didn't do Redcast for the last two weeks, and I have no idea what the Redcast looks like for the next weeks after this too. I would say. Every game matters a lot right now. 
It's yeah. hard for me to get up for Buffalo and Fordham after what mm-hmm. happened at Illinois. There was almost nothing they could do in those two games. They could have won them 100 to zip both games. Mm-hmm. And I would still, that Illinois game, I need to see it against a mm-hmm. team like Oklahoma. If, if they've made the improvements, and there are some. But at the end of the day, you can't be putting up 28 points on the scoreboard and taking off 27. Yeah. That just We're not good against any team. You know, and, and and that's the thing, like we do it against everyone. Everybody. It doesn't everybody. matter if you're conference, division, non-conference, power five. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And it has to end at some point. And we are very we're we are accommodating as a as a podcast. We have for three years we've talked about progress and it all kind of built towards year four here. Where we said, look, there's the excuses are gone. This is now almost completely um, his team with his recruits. We have all the coaching staff back, so the continuity is there. Mm-hmm. Um, the schedule is even plays out nicely. We start off early in the year with some games where you can build some confidence to then go and, and get into the meat of your schedule, as opposed to a year ago starting off in the horseshoe. So, all right, we're not trying to pile on the team here, right? You know, now I feel like we've vented no. a little bit. We've got three weeks of, of venting out, but well, and just to kind of cap on that too when we started this podcast the idea was to talk about football yeah and talk about performances on the field and i just don't have any interest anymore about talking about possible coaching changes oh. or possible i don't want to talk about conference realignment i don't want to talk about um nil i, I don't want to talk about nil i don't want to talk about any of that shit i want to talk about <laughs> football and i can't talk about football when we're garbage and it's been too long of that now the stage is still set yep. for them to do something. I hope like heck that this, this team, the, those kids still feel that way because they have to feel that way. Otherwise, this season is, is severely lost. And, you know, you don't have to win against Oklahoma to, to come out successfully this weekend. I mean, that's where we are as a program, right? Sure. Like, the, a win is just so out of, the, out of the realm of possibilities to me right now. And that's just a whole sad story in itself. But to play well... To play well and lose, to, I could handle. To play clean. Because I've never seen us play well and, and lose. I don't know if when's the last time I've seen us play really well for four quarters or a full quarter. <laughs> you know, in a long time. And I would I would settle for rat, that right now. I would settle for that kind of improvement. But I'm just so sick of trying to talk about progress. I'm so I want to talk about standings. I want to talk about positioning sure. ourselves as a team. I want to talk about how we how we rank in the conference. Well, I can tell you this. I'm legitimately excited this week to go down to Norman. And for one of the reasons, it's because it's in Oklahoma, it's sure. Nebraska. All the BS. I don't know. I I read more from articles talking about you know how Nebraska was scared to play Oklahoma or wanted to get out of it, and I still don't buy that. By the way, and I've never believed that we weren't going to be playing them. And this week is exactly why I do a podcast. I want to talk about games like Nebraska, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and we need to play well against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. We and we certainly understand that we can't give away things to Oklahoma. My goodness, we can't have bad snaps. We can't have you know penalties that take away turnovers. Right. I mean, you certainly can't do that against <laughs> no. them. It doesn't even make sense. No. But the game is what excites me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't. Oh, I don't think I could bear if we would have been playing Fordham Part Two this week. I, I can't watch another yeah. one of those. It, we need to play opponents like this. That excites me. And now let's go out there and we got to play a good game. And I can say that. <laughs> and at the same token, anyone who's listening and they roll their eyes, I understand yeah. why. Yeah, if I had a like, you, you confidence points, you know, <laughs> I would put out of 100, 
10, maybe 10 well, confidence th- com- points. 10 confidence points that what? That will play a clean game? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, 10, One. <laughs> 10, well, so what are, what are the 10 confidence points? It's not, can we beat Oklahoma? That's not no. even the point right yeah. now. Can we, can we not beat Nebraska? I don't have yeah. confidence points that we can't I beat know. Nebraska. It's hard enough in this game to beat one team on a, on a weekend, not to have to beat two yeah. and do it over and over again. And you see it all the time. This, the first play against Fordham, we fumble the ball in the backfield because our running back thinks he's getting the ball and he's not. It's the opening play. I know. Only for Martinez, for Martinez then to have to turn around and run for 18 yards on third and 18. We get the hard plays. How we no- make the hard plays, but we, we continue – to make it so difficult. And we create new issues that we didn't have the year prior. Like, we had an all-conference place kicker last year. Hmm. This year, what do we have? Like, what is happening? Well, He's got the yips or something. Well, you, here's what we have. We do have depth. And we talked about this all <laughs> offseason. We have depth. Well, what is depth supposed to do? If you have depth, yeah. you, there should be consequences. I said this before the season started. There's consequences for poor play. Mm-hmm. I, I At the time that I said that, it was when I did that roundtable, I referenced... The 1995 Orange Bowl, Nebraska, Miami. Osborne wins his first national championship. Who are our two quarterbacks in that game, Matt? Yeah, Brooke and Tommy. Did both of them get benched? Yes. And what what caused them each to get benched? It was the exact same turnovers, thing. interceptions. One interception, yep. and they were off the field. Yep. There was a consequence to a bad play. Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't want to bench Colp. I he was an All Conference kicker last year. But if you can't make kicks. They have depth now. They have Frank. They have Meyer. They have yeah, the, the kid from Iowa Western. Whatever it is, yeah. there needs to be consequences. And the same thing happens with Cam Taylor Britt yep. in punt return, or even a little bit. He's been pressing a couple times in the, even as a corner, like he's last been, week against Buffalo. He's been pressing entirely too hard. It's either fix it, get better, you know, stop pressing, or at some point, depth is what can make players better too. Hey, we'll pull you out if you keep making that mistake. Yeah, and and plus, you know, it's it sends a bad message to your to your depth. If if the guy in front of them is messing up and they still don't get a play, sure, that would piss me off, and and I would understand that. Now that's way past anything. I was a terrible football player in high school, Matt, <laughs> and I had my own line. I was the honky line. They, they they said, and and you were better than me, so you were ahead of me. But you knew if you were getting pulled off the field and honky's going in, you knew you'd screwed up. And the coach was, the coach was trying to make a point. You know, honky, get in there. <laughs> I was as shocked as anybody, That's right? <laughs> but but you need that. Yeah. And, and trust me, Nebraska has way more quality depth than the honky line right now. That that would have been me. So the point is you use that depth yeah. it, where you need to. I mean, I look at the tight end spot, which has been kind of a, a bit of a – it's almost like the Spinal Tap drummer right now. Like every tight end seems <laughs> like, you know, you know – <laughs> That's a deep cut reference. I like that But one. between like Volklik and Allen now got banged up and, of yeah. course, Fedoni. And yet despite the injuries – I love what uh, Brewington has done. Yeah. I love what Hickman, how he's yeah, come in and played. Um, you know, th- there's been a, a walk-on or two that's come in there and played some snaps too, and I love that. Mm-hmm. They've actually stepped up, and, and it hasn't been a disaster of a position no. despite all the, no, the bad luck. And then what starts to excite me, maybe a little bit here, let's transition to talking about Oklahoma, the game itself, and maybe some of the things that we're doing better or hopefully better is that seemingly better? Seemingly yeah. better. Yeah. I think against Oklahoma, one thing for sure that we can take off the table is we're not going to, there's nothing to hold back, right? No. I mean, this, whatever's in the playbook, whatever you feel is your best stuff to run in the playbook, that's going to be played. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about next is uh, last weekend? Oh, Oliver Martin was, you know, nicked up or mm-hmm. Vokalik was nicked up. Could they play? Could they not play? Well, Frost today was uh, during his press conference, 
he was very, you know, he wasn't going to give much information. But no. then somebody did ask him, well, is anyone ruled out? And he immediately, no. Who's hurt or who's not hurt? We'll find out on Saturday. Yeah. If you're not playing on Saturday, you're hurt. Yeah, if, you better be because it's it's all hands on deck for this game. Yeah, I mean, there's I, I envision that just about every single guy that's on that roster is going to be out there playing yeah. on Saturday. Right. And I, I'd imagine Adrian runs the ball 15, well, 20 times. <laughs> we, so we said that all offseason. Let's, let's talk about that. Adrian, we didn't want him to be the primary focus in the run game over the offseason. And I think that's one way of masking simply saying that we just wanted the running backs to play a bigger role. 100% that's what we wanted. I mean, it, it wasn't that we don't like Martinez as a runner. We nope. just we want the running backs to be the runner. What I will say right now is, and I have all of eight options to have go off of the last three games, but I think he can be an elite option runner. I would love nothing more in this game against Oklahoma. Uh, Torrey talked about the option today. You know, like I've said before, it just is something that keeps the defense honest. You know, the more looks we can give them, the more they got to prepare for, you know, come game time. So, you know, having that pitch option, you know, sometimes we'll open things up up the middle, and if they plug it up up the middle, then we can take the take the option to the outside. So, it, it's been some that that's been good for our offense, and I'm excited to keep it going. Dude, I think we can run option on not just Oklahoma. I think we could run it on anyone over the offseason. You say he's an elite runner. I think he's an elite option quarterback. Could be. Uh, for all the struggle he has in a pocket, I don't see him getting better at that four years in. <laughs> oh, but boy, no. he runs an option as well as I've seen a Nebraska quarterback yeah. run one in a long time. And I'm talking about on the pitches. Yeah. You know, against Buffalo, we're trying to, you know, just inside zone over and over and over again. You know, one back, pound it right up the gut. We're not getting the movement that we want with the line. But there's other places that, you know, tight ends a couple times, receivers were messing up, a running back maybe didn't make the right cut. But it just, they certainly weren't big plays. Mm-hmm. But holy smokes, you get that option going. You, mm-hmm. you start to pull that outside. And... There's a balance. Like, people think in the running game, they're like, you have to throw the ball to balance out, you know, the, the run game. I'm like, I look at Oregon, Ohio State last weekend. Oregon ran the ball balanced. They mm-hmm. ran it outside. They ran it inside. Mm-hmm. Ohio State never had a chance to, I mean, by the time that they ran it outside a couple times, they started to spread their defense. They hit them right up the gut. Mm-hmm. And that option, I would run it 30 times this week. I would run it every time until they stopped it. Well, and they've showed a few different kind of option looks to it, but one thing they haven't shown yet was like an option play action where they drop yes. back, and yeah. that could be something that is well set up now for this this game. And maybe maybe that's a wrinkle we throw at them. Whatever sure. wrinkles we have in the playbook, they need to come out. But, sure. But one of the best wrinkles that could be is is that option game. Get it out there and hit it hard. Just commit to it. I, yeah. This is it needs. They keep saying it's not a staple. This is something that's part of our offense since Oregon. Bullshit. It needs to be a staple. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it for this team in particular, because our quarterback, like you said, Mac. I'm not. I don't. I'm not looking for coaching changes after this season. I'm not looking. No. That's not what I'm asking for. I, I assume Frost is going to be here for a while. Yeah. But Martinez and that style of QB, I don't think is going to be here for for very much longer. Smothers kind of is in that style. You know, he but didn't. He ran a decent option. I, I like Smothers. Yeah. But once you get past that, I think they're kind of recruiting. Yeah, I would agree. You know, the Torres, Harburg, and um, Rayola's kid. Oh, yeah. They're recruiting those bigger guys yeah. that I don't know that that's going to the option is going to be as much of a, what you would do as you do right now. But right now with Martinez and this team in particular, oh, yeah. the next nine games. That is a play that we can run and run a lot. And, you know, they do that little, I think it's called like an orbit motion with uh, Tori. And it totally mm-hmm. gives it away now that we've done it enough mm-hmm. times. 
But it's still, who cares? I mean, it's one of the options. Mm-hmm. We need to do other. We have to have two backs. We have to do throw a lot of different looks at them if you want to do this successfully. But against Buffalo, there was one play where he did that orbit motion, and man, Buffalo attacked. And I mean, they went after Martinez, and they went after. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it was Torrey at the yeah. play. I'd have to watch it again, but I'm pretty sure it was. And they went, and that play was dead, except he handed it off up the middle. Mm. And you know what? Got about five yards up the middle. Best looking up the middle run we had probably the whole damn day. Because triple option, when run well, is as hard to stop today as it was 25 years ago. The only difference is today it's out of the shotgun, and maybe you're pitching to a wide receiver or whatever, as opposed to under center. But even that, Osborne's last game, where one of our touchdowns is Frost pitching to Shevin Wiggins out of the wing bone. This offense is a modern version of that, but that option... I, I know we probably have been talking about this for five minutes now. I don't care. Yeah. I'll talk about it for five more. That is... I've totally come around to your way of thinking on this because here's the deal. what we do. Adrian could be an elite option run. He really could be. Um, and if he was, and if we made him that, he'd be a fantastic passer out of that. He'd be yes. one of the best passers we've ever had doing that because he, he is a decent passer when not asked to sit in the pocket and read it. Yes. If you give him two reads, he's pretty good. His deep ball's been better this year, or our wide receivers have been better. I'm not sure. Although his completion rate's less, I feel like we're pushing the ball downfield a little bit more. I'm not seeing a lot of bubble screens. So if you did make the option the staple, and then you did play action off it, then you are talking about an offense that's hard to contend with. At this point, just do that. I mean, yeah. you, you've shown no identity. You've shown no consistency. You've shown no ability to consistently move the ball down the field with any other means. But that kind of looks good. It's kind of looked good every time we've done it. And we could do it in so many different ways. We got If you want to use Torrey, fine. If you want to use Sevian Morrison, fine. If you want to use... Yep. We've got guys that we can yeah, do it. I think Will run, Nixon was kind of, you know... Yeah, our run game looks best when there's two backs in the backfield somehow. Whether mm-hmm. that comes from a Torrey or, or it's two real, you know, actual running backs, whatever it is. Um, you know, the crazy thing about this offense is... and. Tell me if this isn't a broken record. We put up a boatload of yards oh, through three games. Yeah. It's a boatload of yards and minus the Fordham game with 52 points. Because of mistakes, those yards haven't equated into the amount of points that you would normally score. Yeah. You know, we put up 530-some yards or whatever it was against Buffalo. And balanced, there was, you know, quite a bit of passing yards in there too. But from a run-pass ratio... I'm ecstatic. We had mm-hmm. 41 rushes to 20 passes in that Buffalo game. Yep. Um, not a lot of plays compared to the week prior against Fordham. We had like 95 plays. But, you know, if we're somewhere in that, you know, roughly kind of 66 to 33% run-pass ratio, that's yep. probably the right I'm spot. Totally. And I think I just – I'm trying to think as the mind of a defensive coordinator. What scares you the most about Martinez? If Martinez is in a pocket, flat-footed in a pocket with a rush coming on him, are you? does that scare you as a defensive coordinator? Only when he tucks it to run. Yeah, and when he tucks it to run, that tends to be the time. Like you mentioned the fumble. Mm-hmm. He's only fumbled one time this year. Yeah. It was on a play where he tucked it and yeah. run on a third and two yeah. that he had to convert a passing play into a running right. play. Brock Heward talked about it on the, the TV right after it. He goes, he was in between running and passing mm-hmm. at that moment and just didn't quite have the ball converted. And the point is... That he's not wrong for saying that. And our point, I know at the time, I was pissed before they snapped the ball. If you remember, I was sitting there going, what is this alignment? <laughs> I didn't like four wide receivers to the left. It was third and two. I'm like, what? all offseason we hear about Yant. We got to see him in the spring. It's yeah. like, here's a 250-pound guy at fullback. Mm-hmm. When If you can't use a, a, a power set at that moment, 
When are you going to? And then finally last week, Reimers does that great tip and catch. We haven't even got the defense yet. Mm-hmm. Reimers does that great tip and catch. Gets down to the one-yard line. What do we do? Double tights, eye formation, and it was just a simple one-yard run. How nice was that to see? Oh, Just line up and, and, and punch it in on one play. Not trying to get fancy, not trying to be cute, just... And it was it looked easy. So that, looked that easy. was very pleasing. <laughs> Think about that word. It looked easy. Because mm-hmm. for three and a half... Well, for four years, Mac, we've been doing this since the last year of Riley, nothing seems easy. The things that are supposed to be easy for and, and seem to be easy for everyone else... We oh, find ways not to make easy. We, we got an interception against Purdue a couple years ago, and Darian Daniels did it, ran it right down to their three-yard line. Mm-hmm. Just punch it in. Nope. We were doing <laughs> shovel passes to Wandell and yeah. rollouts, and nothing, nothing looks easy. But that play did. Mm-hmm. That looked easy. Yeah. Our defense, you know, we're going to be tested by some legitimate skill speed this weekend. And I think there might be some moments where we just – they might just get lucky on a play because they can just run a little faster than one sure. of our guys. I mean, that might happen. And I'm going to have to kind of calm myself during the game where it's like, keep your eyes of focus, Honky. And like, if, if there's a play where, you know, we were in the right spot and we did everything right and they just made a great play, mm-hmm. some of that's going to happen. But for the most part, I think we're going to be physical against them. I think we're going we're gonna to make it hard for them to run the football on us. I do believe that's going to happen there. And, uh, if they you, want to. I mean, I don't even know how much they're going to try to run on us. This is one of those games that... What will piss me off the most is if Nebraska takes all the enjoyment out of it within the first three series. Sure. Like if, and we've done that so many times where we've ruined the game out of the gate. We let them score quickly, and then we go three and out with something stupid. Or mm-hmm. we fumble, and we give the ball over, and they, they score quickly. If they, Or we um, do something well. We do something to stop them, and then we turn around and stop ourselves. They come out their first drive. We we stop them three and out. Man, we are flying around yeah. the field. They punt the ball to us and it bounces off a guy's head, and they got the ball at our third. I, I mean, that kind of stuff. The where you, fact that you can picture that because it's happened so many times, times. is that it's terrifying. That's it's, what you mm. can't have. You can't. I don't want to see another stinking touchdown pass called back because of an illegal pick. I don't want to yeah. see it. You know, a, yeah. just mistakes where you're taking it off. You're, you're driving down the field, and then maybe we want to start getting in some tempo, and then all of a sudden, you know, we have a guy jump off sides or you know a first bad snap in a while i mean really give a lot of credit to jurgens on that Uh, minus one snap i think in the second half against illinois that that is an issue that you know seemingly been fixed everything comes down to the mistakes have to end and if they don't I'm not sitting here saying we're quitting the Red Cast, Mac, but what the hell is there for us to talk about? That's just if it. it doesn't if, if it that, doesn't it, stop. If it there isn't anything to talk about. And, and at that point, at that point it becomes coaching change conversation, which I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about that either. It becomes it becomes program rebuilding, which I don't want to talk about. We've, yeah. we've already had three years of podcasts of rebuilding. And it's like yep. that's not fun. I wanna that's not fun for me. That some guys I know some people enjoy I'm not talking about like other redcasters, but some people enjoy that kind of that. Well, Boomer drama. likes talking about that. Yeah, stuff. maybe a little bit. <laughs> the drama and I, I, or conference realignment, or, and I just don't. That's not the part of football that I enjoy. Yeah. I I enjoy the stuff on the field, and and that's and I really only enjoy that when we're good. Yeah, we've been doing this show for four and a half years. We know we haven't seen a winning season yet. We've been through three. Right now, we have a winning season. Yeah, we've been through three <laughs> athletic directors. Uh, we're on our second coach and a coach that we all envision being a long term guy here. And you can go back and listen to our. First season of shows. We never called for Riley's head ever. That's not what we do. There's no point in that. Uh, that stuff takes care of itself. It's, yeah, it's above exactly. it's above our pay grade anyway. That's the other part about talking about it. It's like, who, who, yeah, I mean, like we don't have any input. 
nobody ca- they never ask us. Yeah. So who cares? Like I they've never and, and asked it, me one it, time. And it becomes obvious at some point too. I mean there's yeah, some people 100%. like Frost, if he'd been any other coach other than Frost, he'd be gone already with this. You don't know that. I mean, like, look, the situations are different from four years ago versus ten years ago. A lot of things have changed. And really the expectations of this program have changed. Yes. For a lot of people. I still mean you know, I will always be hurt. Because I will always be the guy. I'm going down there this weekend with the expectation that we can win this game. Absolutely believe we can win this game. But we have to do a certain set of things. I've I've listened to Osborne speak a number of times where he would talk about you set goals for the week. It's not about winning the game. He never says says a goal is to win a game. That's stupid. If you've got players that need to have a goal to win a game, then you've got the wrong players. But the idea was the goals are we want to be plus one in turnovers. We want to be minus this and that. We want to have this many yards per carry. We want, And you set these goals, and you you set them high enough. They're achievable, but they're high enough that if you reach them, you're going to win more games than you don't. And if you lose the game reaching those goals, then you just you literally applaud the other team and just say, good job. But we haven't even had that ability. But we've lost games the last three years, four years, where – where we would hit a number of goals, but we lose it because we do such stupid things. <laughs> we play Ohio State the time that, you know the first year of Frost, and we're we're literally in the game against them, and yet we've got a punter who's kicking an onside that goes sideways, oh, yeah. and JD drops a touchdown pass that's right in his hands. You can't even enjoy it. You can't even say, "Well, Ohio State just beat us because they're yep. better." We made mistakes in the horseshoe to yeah. lose that. Well. It just. And mistakes that were on us, not not caused by the Buckeyes. They're a good enough team. They're hard enough to beat by themselves. Mm-hmm. We didn't need to do that. And boy, that was a nice way to bring this all around because I'm still, well, yeah, I, I think still, right. still ranty. I think you're right though. It's, and listen, the Sooners aren't the '85 Bears. Yeah, the Sooners aren't. They probably won't win a playoff game because well, they rarely ever do. They beat Tulane forty to thirty-five. Yeah. So I mean, listen, I don't know what it looks like when we play our best game. Because I've never seen it. Yeah. If had I seen it a couple times, I'd have a way better idea what what our chances are in this game. So since I've never seen it, I kind of think we probably won't see it again. But if the stars were to align, okay, Mac, we're gonna go to Max Fantasyland here for a second. Describe what that perfect game looks like to you. It may not even lead to a win, right? This is Coach Osborne. You're creating the goals. The st- what do you want to see this week from offensive stats to turnover margins and and time of possessions and and all those things that aren't sexy but they all add up you know what are some of those those uh-huh. stat numbers that you'd like to see that you think we would be in contention to win it if we do these things well we have we have to slow the game down a little bit okay we, and I think we do that with what we talked about before running option controlling the ball being effective being physical I mean it's a big 12 team yeah. so and we're a big 10 team that should matter we're a huge offensive line we're a huge defensive line we've got big fellas all over the place we should be able to use that to our advantage and that would be nice. So if we do that, if we're able to make Rattler get the ball out of his hand a little sooner than he yep. wants to let our secondary get in there, because our secondaries, you know, Deontay's got, what, three picks already this year? Uh, Doman's got one. Uh, well, yeah, Reimer's, Reimer's got one. So we've, we've got some turnovers. I understand all this is against garbage teams. I get all that. I'm not – but the point is we've also not gotten those things against garbage teams. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but to, we need to get the ball out of his hands quicker. We need to slow the game down. We need to win field position and time of possession. Um, can't have empty uh, possessions. Cannot. If you're can't kicking, have if you're three kicking, quick three and outs. If you're kicking a field goal, you got to make the field yeah. goal. Special right? teams have to be a net, like, push. Yeah. We, 
wow, what if we actually, what if we returned a kick? What if we returned a punt? What if we blocked a field goal? I mean, that worked out pretty well when we blocked a punt against Penn State. You know, that was that yep. probably was the decider of the game, you know, after they kind of came <laughs> it, back around. As bad as the Fordham game looks in some ways, that that blocked field goal was huge. Yeah. Because that was an opportunity for them to, to be tied with us midway through the second quarter. And instead, you know, it changes the, the, mm-hmm. the course of the game there, right? Big momentum-shifting plays. And uh, we, I mean, we've had three straight games with punt returns that have been botched for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. And unfortunate for Cam Taylor Britt, he's the one that's been on the field every single one of those times. Some of them are a little unluckier than others for him. But at some point, we talk about depth and all that and consequences. There has to be. I can tell you this: no one's going to be happy if we see a punt going off a guy's, you know, helmet or not get caught in this this game. No. I mean, that's just it, – it's unacceptable at this yeah. point. Now, we've had other areas of improvement, the kickoffs. I mean, we've been yeah. – in fact, better than what I thought. Against Illinois, I wasn't as high on those going into the, into the end zone because I was comparing it in the stadium to, to the Illinois kicker. He was kicking it like five yards past, and our mm-hmm. guy was only kicking it like just into the mm-hmm. end zone. So I'm like, we haven't fixed that issue. The last two weeks, you know, it's pretty consistent now. It yeah. does look like – It's pretty like much it's, midway in the end zone. And that's, at the, at these days when you get the ball in the 25 – with a with a you know touchback, most teams are going to do that. They're mm-hmm. gonna just gonna fair catch it or down. And, I'll take that all season long. Yes, I, I don't I don't care if anyone tries to return a kick on us all year long. That that would be fantastic. So yeah, that's improved. What else? <laughs> <laughs> Tory is huge. Tory is going to be a problem for a lot of teams that we play. I said that last week, and you know he only had two catches last week, yeah. but he had for, you know two touchdowns and 130 some yards. The key with he, him too will be the other guys being healthy. I think because yeah. you can't. I don't. I don't. Well, it's nice to see Adrian's keyed on a guy that's a big play receiver, though. Yeah, nothing against Wondell, who I don't even know what his stats were last week against Missouri, but his first week good. he had pretty good stats the first week, and I think he's gone to a really good position there in Kentucky. I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy for him in that sense. I don't miss him in the sense of if you're telling me, do I get Wandell or do I get uh, Torrey? Take Torrey every day. Torrey's already got more touchdowns this year than Wandell. Yeah, has. it's just not even it's not even a close question for me. No. Okay. Uh, the other big loss, of course, of the offseason, Luke looks like exactly what you'd expect Luke to look like at a quarterback right now in Rice. Yeah. And I'm not missing that either. No. Nope. So, you know, look, I think that Illinois game was really bad. We can't put cherries on top of that. But one way that you can start to undo that, I think one way that you can start to lure Mac, and I'll throw myself in this too. It's not like I've been jumping to do shows. The way that Huskers can start to lure people like us back in who have been longtime supporters through a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. The way you get us to want to talk about this football team again is this weekend is a big game. Every game right now is a big game. Win these games. You start to win some games that you're not supposed to. And don't worry about point spreads. God bless the BetCast guys because they've kept the show going while we haven't. Mm -hmm. And they talk about point spreads and all that. Awesome. I don't care about point spreads. Oregon last week was a 14-point underdog to Ohio State. They didn't care about point spreads. I don't care how a team plays one week versus the next week. Oregon played like garbage against Fresno and turned around and beat Ohio State in the shoe. Nebraska, you played like garbage against Illinois. You know it. Mm -hmm. I think you've had a couple weeks now to try to make some improvements on it. And you go down there, Norman, I'll be there. I'll be wearing my red. I'll be cheering as loud as I can. And play within yourself. And do something for the fans that make the trip. I mean, this is the, this is this is the anniversary of the game of the century. You yes. can't go out there and lay an egg against this team. There is no excuse. I, you're year four. There's absolutely it's inexcusable to go out there and lay an egg. It, I won't. Yep. For, I will not forgive it. I won't. 
and that will be the end of it for me. I'm just going to shut the season down because I won't forgive a bad game. I just won't. It's too. We're too far into this process yeah. for us to go down there and shit on all of the fans who came down there for a, the umpteenth time in a row. Yeah. You know, we these know Husker what... fans that come down there, spend money, travel, support this team endlessly, don't do it to them. Yeah, Cam Jurgen said it during one of the preseason uh, press conferences. He goes, Husker fans, he goes, I'm not throwing a, a, a record on this season, but Husker fans know what good football and bad football is. He goes, yeah. and he's 100% right, and we do. Everything you just said there, it wasn't, Huskers win this game or I'm not a fan anymore. It wasn't that. It was stop playing bad football. Don't lay an egg. Don't lay an egg. How much more do we have to ask? Yeah. So not, That's not much. This, and, and that's not much from a, from a fourth-year program. That's not us saying correct. this year two. That's not us saying this yep. year three. That's not us saying without an experienced line coming back and a four-year starting quarterback and super seniors all over the place and some decent play along the way and some transfers that have made some plays along the way. And I don't care about Oklahoma. Oklahoma – it's yeah. just who we're playing. You know, that's just the yeah. team on the schedule. It's about how we, it's always about, how, about we how we play. As far as my fandom goes, like, the record will be what the record will be. I want to see my team play well. And that's what I'm longing for the most, and that's what's been missing the most, and that's what's got me, like, the most twisted about this whole yeah. this whole thing. It is really, very specifically from an X's and O's standpoint, it's really important to me that we, that we exert Physical play against Oklahoma. Yeah, and what does that mean? Like th- Hit the those snot are, out of Those it. are nice words. What does that mean? It means when it's third and three that we maybe look at this as that's a two-down scenario. Get under center. Get a tight end out there. Put a fullback. Yant's so hard to tackle. Let's see Let's see how easy it is for Oklahoma to tackle him. And it's two plays to get the three yards. Because in the process, we're going to be running that clock. We're going to be winning some time yeah. of possession. Frost last week won the coin toss at the beginning, kicked it off yeah. so that we got the defense on the field first. You know, we kick it into the end zone. We yeah. Play smart traditional football in that sense nothing it's nothing flashy mm-hmm. back to the Iowa thing it's nothing flashy sometimes just to kick the ball off and to play good defense and to get the ball kicked back to you and to catch it solidly and if you can get a good return awesome but you're at least not going to give up another 30 yards of letting the ball roll and you're not going to drop it I mean come on <laughs> I mean, come on <laughs> it's it's all out there for him and I and I really 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 hope they do and if Listen, we're going to get some bad. I will say this. Just like every year, just like every game, we've gotten some bad calls from the officials. Yep. That just seems to be our lot in life. So we're going to have to deal with it. And so I can predict that we're going to get one in this game. So if we're going to get one, get one laying the wood on one of those guys. You know, hit him. Yeah. Be close enough during the play, like particularly on defense. Like, at least be close enough to those wide receivers to make them pay if they catch it. You know, don't yeah. let them run around on you and play, like, flag football. Smoke those guys. We're, we should be... They're going to want to – Oklahoma needs to feel us on Sunday. That's what I'm saying. They need yeah. to be. They need to feel us on Sunday. And, you know, if that happens and we play some good football, I'll be okay. But yeah, I'll be, but show me. Hey, if that happens and, and, and we play that solid game, I think there will be, you know, opportunities for us to be doing a lot more Go Big Redcast this season. Well, then it will be if, the Michigan State game, right? Yeah. Because if we <laughs> – it will be – the Michigan State game is actually going to be – Coming off a good Oklahoma performance. Coming off a good, yeah. If they come out and then they they should beat Michigan State. You know, it was Mel Tucker from from Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know that. I mean, listen, every game, right? Every, every, game. every game. There just isn't. There every isn't game. a game. It's just, yeah. It, we can win any game. We can lose any game. It's remarkable what the Illinois and, loss uh, did to me. I know more than I thought it would. I, I I suspected it could, but then when I saw it, I was like, wow. 
It was, it was the how. And and then it's everything that Illinois has done since then that just to prove <laughs> how bad that was. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, I hope this was a chipper ending to this. Yeah. Look, we're playing Oklahoma Redcasters. This is a, it's a week of celebration. I know we talked about it earlier on the show when, when I was with uh, Dave and Boomer. But, you know, we, we're the in the World Herald article today talking about the oh, tradition no. of it and everything. And, I mean, this is a meaningful game. This My is mom a game. saw that. She texted me that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, this is... It's such a meaningful moment for me. I grew up with Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Mac. I know mm-hmm. you can – all of us did, our guys our age. And I love it. I love college football. I love the pageantry of it. This is my third time going to Gaylord Family Stadium in Norman, and I've seen two blowouts. I've seen us blow them out in 96, and they blew us out in, yeah. in 08. You know what? I want to see a good game this time around. Yeah. That's what I want to see. And I want to be down there talking with fans. By the way, I want to be around fans that love college football. And Champagne, Illinois is the champagne of the Big Ten. It'd be interesting. It, it, that is just the worst. <laughs> that is terrible. The, that was the worst football environment uh. I think I've ever been in. Mac, we were watching the game at the very beginning, st- sitting in row six, the first five rows in front of us at Champagne. Um, you're basically underwater yeah. they, or they below their, sea level. They so. made their stadium so poorly God. that the first like six rows aren't. They, they just tarp them, them off. So we're standing at the beginning of the game, and we had fans, these Illinois fans. We're in an Illinois oh, section. Yeah. And the fans behind us are going, you're a better you know, door than window. And I just turned around to this lady, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. We're in a college football stadium for the first time in two years. Yeah. They, they just kicked the ball off. I can't see it anyways. But, like, I'm a little excited about yeah. football. And like, You'd make a better you, door than a window. And you saw, like, 20 you rows of school? people behind us that didn't even want to stand. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? That that that, I know, and that, that killed, lose to that that killed me. Yeah. That's what killed me even more about like wanting to get the hell out of Champagne after yeah. that game was like we lost to this. Oh, you guys lost. I'm like that was like the, the prevailing sentiment was oh we had a game today. Yeah, I'm like Ugh. I love. I'll tell you this. I've been to Norman enough times. They love football yeah. there. I'm really looking forward to going to Norman and being the, around other people that love football the way I do. Yeah. The, the conversation about the SEC will be interesting down yeah. there. I'd be curious to hear what, yeah. when you come back, like what they what they think about. That. I'm going to try to if I if we have time. I don't, I don't know if I'll Especially have time. After, but, after Texas lost to Arkansas. Bring yeah. that up. <laughs> well, on the drive down there, I want to try to stop by Stillwater because I've never been to Stillwater. It's one oh. of only two stadiums in the Big Ten or Big Twelve I'd never been to. Lubbock and that. I want to try to stop over there, maybe on the way down there, if we if we have time. Maybe stop at like that Eskimo Joe's or something. I would love to talk to an Oklahoma State fan about what they think about oh, Oklahoma yeah, and yeah, Texas yeah. leaving. That'd be good. I think that would be that would be get enjoyable. Some, get some quotes. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, Mac, um, I'm hoping my fandom hasn't gone away. My my spirits at times have, mm. but I'm hoping beyond hope that we are sitting here a week yeah. from now talking about this game and talking about uh, the enjoyment we got from watching Nebraska play really good football and whether that leads to a, a victory. Or a, or a very respectable defeat, whatever. That's I think that's what I'm hoping for as at. much as anything. That's where we're at with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going anywhere as a fan. I'm just I'm just going to be more of like sitting back in the corner with my arms crossed and and well, but not know, talking even, about the same thing every and, week. Yeah, and even even the Buffalo game. There was a couple times I jumped up. You know, I started the game just like you know, but then <laughs> you know, a couple good plays. You know, it's nice to see it's nice to see Torre come out and play well and. And contribute. Reimer's doing a good job. There's, this team isn't without players that I like. No. That's the problem. I like a lot. I like all the guys. I really do. Yep. It's just, I'm just sad. I'm just sad. I just, uh, just I'm looking tired at it. of being stepped on. <laughs> it's 50 minutes of this. I love this yeah. man. I love this. Well, 
I'm going to act like I'm the host here. So, Mac, I'm going to give you the parting shot. Oh, <laughs> this, all right. This the end. So, uh, give us your parting shot on thoughts this week. Well, um, to all you Redcasters that are going down to the game this weekend, bless your hearts. Represent the program well. Um, the fans have always been the best ambassador of this team. So, just continue to do that. Have a great time. Oklahoma is a blast to go to. Um, the fans there are great. They're not going to view us as a threat, so they're going to be overly nice, just as they were yep. at the time that they blew us out. And they'll probably feed. If you can get to their tailgate area, yeah, it's legit. I mean, they they serve up some food down there, and it's all that southern hospitality. So enjoy that. And then, um, you know, Coach Frost, good luck, man. I'm I'm rooting for you. Let's. I, I know you listen to the show. He's always <laughs> texting me. So all run right. some options. That's right. Option ball. <laughs> all right. Well. Uh, hopefully we'll be coming back to talk to you guys next week. But uh, if not, this is the uh, Go Big Redcast. We're good. GBR. BOU. Here's Wiley's kick. It's high. It holds up there. Rogers takes the ball at the 30. He's hit and got away. Back upfield at the 35 to the 40. He's to the 45. He's to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, to the 20, to the 10. He's all the way home. Holy moly. Man, woman, and child did that. Put him in the aisles. Johnny the Jet Rogers just tore him loose from their shoe. A Huda Media Production.